Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. All right, we are doing our last uh, sermon in the series, the quest that we've been going through, the journey to financial freedom, and it's a way that honors God. That's our, our soul and whole purpose uh, for talking about that. And uh, you've been seeing a little guy in that little video for a few weeks now, and today is a day that that's our jumping off point. We talked about the Lord of the Rings, we talked about uh, the wise men, the magi, and their quest, and we talked about all sorts of different quests, but today we talk about... Yoda in Star Wars. There you go. There you go. I can't believe Steve is biting his tongue back there. He's not being more vocal. But uh, if you're a Star Wars fan, you know, you've, you know about Yoda. Even if you don't know about Star Wars, you probably know Yoda. And especially now, because there's this character that's come on the scene the past couple years that everybody calls baby Yoda. And so from the Mandalorian. And so it's, it's a really, it's a really neat little guy. But in case you don't know, it's from Star Wars, you know, what really should have just been a trilogy, but we won't go into all that. It's just been expanded and, you know, diluted and all that sort of stuff. But it's about this guy who is fighting evil and he is guided by some really powerful people. And one of them is this little guy who's supposed to be about three feet tall, I guess, or maybe even shorter named Yoda. And he is a wise Jedi master. He knows all the answers and he, he sort of speaks backwards a lot of times and all out of order, but he gets his point across. And, you know, you know, he really comes across clear. And he says one particular line that I think a lot of people know. Even if you don't know that Yoda said it and it's from Star Wars, but it's like, there is no try, only do. Right? There you go. Thank you. Yeah. I was really nervous about that because I, I'm a little bit of a mimic, a little bit of a parrot, and I can do some voices of a work on him, but I haven't tried him in a long time. And the times I've tried him recently, he sounds a little bit like Miss Piggy. And so I was really worried about that. Hmm, Kermit. Hmm. That, that's what I was worried was going to come out. But I think I did okay. Not, not bad. Um, but he gives some wisdom to Luke Skywalker, who is the main protagonist of the story, the main hero, you know, who is the one who comes along and helps everything come together. And he gives him this wisdom. He's, you know, he doesn't look like he would be all that powerful, but he's the most powerful Jedi in this whole universe that's created in this story. And he wants to help him defeat the dark side. And he wants to help him conquer overwhelmingly. And one of the things we got to realize is one thing to complete our quest to get financially healthy in a way that honors God. But the question is, does it stop with us? You know, in the story we sort of learn, or at least over time we learn that Yoda is around 900 years old and then he dies partway through the original trilogy of, of movies. And you know, he didn't, he wanted to make sure that his legacy carried on and so he poured into people like Luke Skywalker. And so what I want you and I to consider today is are we pouring into people so that our legacy of financial health that honors God is going to continue? Are we doing it individually? Are we doing it as a church family? Are we doing it as a whole? Now the problem is, is that just like the rich farmer we've talked about a couple of times that Jesus told in a story, uh, he called this rich farmer, he called him foolish. 
didn't he? Do you remember that guy? If, if, we, uh, if you've been here when we talked about him, he was only rich towards himself and not towards God. And it's very easy for each of us, even though we may not be as wealthy as the guy in that story, no matter how much wealth we have, it's easy for us to hold on to our wealth to protect ourselves or even more, hold on to our faith. Because it's scary to talk about and think about sharing our faith. I'm not, I'm not lying, right? You know, it, it's hard. Even with our kids sometimes. You know, we don't know the right thing to say. We're worried about screwing them up. And don't worry if you're a young parent or you're not a parent yet. You're going to screw your kids up. <laughs> Pressure's off. Woo! You're okay. You're going to mess them up. But by the grace of God, they can be okay. They can be okay. But you're going to screw them up. Just go ahead and admit it. You're going to screw them up. Anyway, sorry. Tangent. But that's free. I won't charge you for that. But anyway, but the truth is this, is that we sometimes can hold on to our faith, hold on to, you know, our money, hold on to our time. And we don't think about passing it on and passing on good and godly principles about the way to uh, live our lives. So are we preparing other people, not just our kids, whether we have kids or not, not just our kids, but are we preparing our friends, our family members and the next generation Are we preparing them to honor God in a way that honors him with everything that they have, including their wealth, including their entire life? You know, an Olympic relay is a thing of beauty. I don't know if you guys like watching um, the Summer Olympics, uh, you know, where they have the, I love track and field stuff. It's really cool. Um, But an Olympic relay race is a thing of beauty. It's not only speed, but it's teamwork. It's precision when it's done right, when it's done right. But when it's not, it is a utter train wreck. Uh, take a second and watch this video with me. and they'll go back and spotlight it. Our audio is not playing exactly right for some reason, but Jamaica is going to lead. The highlight of team there is China. They are the key players in this. Jamaica, I believe, maybe Canada and U.S. come in first, second, third. That went well, but China didn't go so great. Here, here's what we'll see next. In the red, they stop. Oh, they're outside of the safe zone. You have to pass the baton at a certain range or you're disqualified. They still can't get it right. Oh, nope, still don't have it right. Go. I'll give them this. They still finished. I mean, they still finished. But that, that's, it's hard to watch, isn't it? Like, can you imagine? They've trained four years, maybe six, maybe eight, maybe 10, maybe 12 years for this moment on this Olympic stage. And a lot of the world is watching. And now here we are watching, what, I don't know how, three, four years later. You know, it's the handoff is so important, right? You know, the handoff is so important. It doesn't matter if you have world-class speed, but if you don't get the handoff right, it all falls apart. 
it all falls apart. And that's what I want us to think about this morning is, are we handing off to the next generation? Are we handing off our faith? And are we handing off godly financial, financial principles to our kids, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our family, to the church, to the church of the future, the ones that are coming along behind us? Are you able to share these words from Scripture with people who are looking up to you or people who are coming behind you? It says in Proverbs chapter 4, beginning in verse 10, it says, My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. Can you say that with confidence? I will teach you wisdom's ways and lead you in straight paths. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. Guard them for they are the key to life. Can you say that with confidence? Now, I, I want to pause right here because I, remember I said earlier, if you have kids, don't worry, you're going to screw them up in some way. You are? Okay, the person who originally penned these as inspired by God was a guy by the name of Solomon. Solomon was a really wise guy and he was a really stupid guy. And so the reason I point that out is because if you are hearing this, he's like, no, I can't say that. I can't say that. I can't say that. Anything from this passage, I want you to know that Solomon could say it. And here's a, I say this from time to time and it bears repeating the truth from a hypocrite is still the truth. Did y'all hear that? The truth from a hypocrite is still the truth. A lot of us just disregard information because it comes from somebody who doesn't have it all together. Guess what? Ain't nobody got it all together. Nobody. Nobody's got it all together. And so all of us do hypocritical things from time to time. Now, a, a real problem is if you are a hypocrite. If you are just living a fake double life, but that the maxim still holds true that the truth from a hypocrite is still the truth. Don't disregard the truth. And so that's the beauty of God's grace. That's the beauty of God's kingdom is that if you're trying your best to live a life that honors God, when you're telling people, when you're telling your friends, your people sitting beside you, you're telling your children, you're telling them these godly principles, you won't get it right all the time, but keep telling them the truth because it's not about you and your goodness. It's about God's goodness and his truth. So keep doing it and keep spreading that truth. And so here are three quick principles from, that Darren shares in his book that we've been basing this off of. It's called The Quest. Uh, I think we've got a QR code maybe. If not, we'll hopefully get it up there. If you want to order this book, it's a real quick read. It's got some, excuse me, I'm not getting emotional. I just got a little ahead of myself. Um, but it's a real quick read and I want to encourage you. I'm going to just kind of highlight what he talks about today and I want to encourage you to go back and read it and get in depth there. You can order it off of Amazon. It's about 10 bucks. Be there in a couple days, boom, and you can read the fine details and he can explain it better than I can about some of this technical stuff. But here are three quick principles that he shares in his book. Number one, goal one, be wisely insured. Be wisely insured. I'm not an insurance uh, guru, but here's some things. Most of us are either grossly uninsured or sometimes extremely overinsured. Many of us have way too much and some of us have way too little. A few of us maybe have it just right. But here's something I want you to learn. If you don't learn anything else about this, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but insurance is for catastrophic events. It's for catastrophic events. It's not worth paying an extra 49 bucks for a $150 piece of electronic equipment at Best Buy. 
Just go ahead and tell you that insurance is not really holding its value. You're just spending your money, giving them a little extra something for nothing that you'll probably never use. And here's the thing. Even if your thing breaks down in the year's time that you spent the 49 bucks for, chances are you lost the paperwork. Can't turn it in anyway. You just, you had a $49 email, <laughs> you know, is what you got. So don't, don't use stuff like that. So what is catastrophic? Getting rear-ended uh, could be catastrophic. A grease fire in, that destroys your kitchen, that could be catastrophic. A storm that causes a tree to fall on your house, that could be catastrophic. A sickness can put you in the hospital for a long stay, that can really be catastrophic. Or an injury can disable you, and that can be catastrophic. These things are the, normally the things that require insurance. And unless you're, you know, unless you're wealthy enough to self-insure, and, and that would be a great goal to get to, right, where you don't have to have insurance for those things. Um, I, I know some people that would say, you never get to that point, right? <laughs> I'm going to talk about somebody later in just a second. Generally, generally. But... Uh, Adding a, you know, a bunch of extra riders to say a life insurance policy probably isn't necessary. Make sure you set the right deductible. That's important. So you make sure you're ready to go. You don't have a, a lot of money come out. You're paying extra. Get good, trustworthy counsel. Good, trustworthy counsel when you're thinking about buying insurance. And that's what I was going to talk about. We've got a, at least one, maybe even more, a, a good uh, guy who's an insurance agent in our church. Talk to him. Uh, I'm not, it's not a promo. He didn't ask me to do it. I'm not getting a kickback. But find somebody you can trust and ask them questions. Ask them questions. They can help you make good decisions. But goal two is this. Create a legacy plan. Create a legacy plan. Um, some of you may have heard will. Just like you hear the word budget, a lot of us freak out. A lot of us hear the word will and we freak out. So a good way to call it is a legacy plan. Just like spending plan is better for a budget, legacy plan is better for a will. Because it's more than just a will. Um, it's a plan to resolve important issues at the end of your life. It includes things like a will, a living trust, a living will, etc. It can help you with things as, as everyday as tax issues. It can help with your medical care at the end of your life. And it can help. Here, this is really important. If nothing else inspires you, if you don't care about the tax stuff, if you don't care about the medical stuff, if you don't want to think about that, maybe this will help you. It can help you keep your family united when you go to meet Jesus. Because even if you might be thinking, well, I don't have enough money that it would ever be a fight over my stuff when it's time for me to go. You are sadly mistaken, my friend. There have been, there have been people who have gotten in fight over very, very small estates because it's not usually about the stuff it's about the pain of losing a loved one and to have to try to figure all that stuff out at that horrible time of grieving is incredibly painful. And so sometimes emotions leak out sideways, right? And you can't finish saying what you need to say to the person who's gone. You might be angry. You might be sad that you miss them. You might be, you know, fill in the blank and those emotions can come out in your, your family, your friends, your siblings, the other people. And so making those plans are super important. And if I can encourage you to, to do that for one reason, that's, that's a good reason. It's not easy to think about our own mortality. But I hope if you have been coming to church at least for a little bit, you know that all of us are going to die and face judgment. All of us are going to die. We need to be preparing for it. And for the Christian, I hope that we would look towards that day with joy. But at the same time, we want to leave those that are still here with as little burden and as little heartache as possible. That's our goal. There's ministry like CFR. Uh, I mentioned them several times. They're one of our partners who helped us get launched. The author of this book is the, uh, the CEO. They will help you set up a legacy plan for free. 
I have a little saying, it's called, if it's free, it's me. I like that. It, they will help you do that legal stuff, set it up for free if you will donate at least a portion. It could be 1% of your estate to Christian ministries, a church or an organization. If you'll do that, they'll do it all for free for you. And it's a, it's a powerful tool. So you have no excuse. Money isn't an issue. You just go ahead and divide it up. And you go ahead and say, this is where I want this to go. Communicate this. Now, this is important. This is something I learned from reading this from Darren. I had not thought about it. Communicate your plan, at least in some general detail, with your loved ones before they actually have to read it with, you know, maybe the lawyer there. Because even though you may have divided up everything as fairly as possible, you know, I may divide up the dollar fifty between my five kids, you know, I divide up as evenly as possible there still could be some shock and surprise that would cause hard feelings. And so if you, and he, I, I love this. He said, before it's time, at some point when you have your stuff finalized, write a love letter to your family and give it to them at Christmas. And just say, hey, one day down the road, hopefully not anytime soon, this is what I want done. I want this given to this organization. I want this to be divided up amongst our family. You know, however much that may be at that time. You don't know that you don't know what you'll have at that time, but you tell them, I love you guys. And I want you to be united. And I want you to carry our family's legacy forward. So you say all these things to them. And that's, isn't that a beautiful thing? Sort of related, but I want you to think about this. Sometimes the nicest things we say about people are when they die, right? We need to start saying more of that stuff when we're living and breathing, right? And so do this stuff and share it with your family before they read it there outside of your presence. So it's a good good tool to have that legacy plan and share it with them so they don't have a great shock at a time of grief. And then goal three is this. Teach others what you've learned. This is one of the most important ones. And so we're going to spend the bulk of our time on this. Teach others what you've learned. If you are a parent or you hope to be or you have friends that you care about, you need to answer this question. When you approach the end of your life and you think about those people, where do you think your mind will go? Do you think it'll go to little league trophies, dance recitals, high school diplomas, or even big promotions? Do you think that's where your mind will go? Um, you know, when it's time for you to go and meet Jesus? Probably not. Probably the things that you're going to think about are the kind of people that your family members have become. The kind of people that your children have become. The, the kind of people that they are. The quality of their lives that they're living. Not how much money they're making, but the joy that they have in their life. Or most importantly, I hope the question you think about is this. Everybody with me? Everybody wake up. Do they know Jesus is Lord? I've stood by the bedside of a lot of people who were about to take their last breath, and I have never met one who said, I wish I had, you know, spent more money on my kids. They say, I want my family to know Jesus. (laughs) And that's the question that we have to answer. Here's what we need to think about. Are you investing the time and energy that you can to help their eternity look like yours? I'm going to say it again. Ask this question again. Are you investing the time and the energy that you can to help their eternity look like yours? A verse that we've shared a lot over these past few weeks, and so I hope you don't get tired of hearing it, because if you do, ooh, shame, shame, shame on you, because he's going to get you good here. (laughs) If you don't know me, you think I'm being a jerk. 
I'm being truthful, but I'm joking. This verse, we've read it a lot over these past few weeks. We read it at our family dedication Sunday. We've read it multiple times. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Here's why we're repeating it, because listen closely. Everybody listen, okay? Listen, O Israel. This is called the Shema in Hebrew. And Shema means listen. Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Verse 7. Repeat them again and again. What did he say to do? Repeat them. That's why we're using this verse again. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you were at home and when you were on the road and when you were going to bed and when you were getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You guys, uh, any of you watching The Chosen? Um, if you notice, any time that they show the characters walk in and out of a building, you ever notice that they do something? They usually yeah, kiss their lips and then they touch the door frame. You know what they're doing? They're touching a little thing of scripture to remind themselves. They're, they're keeping that part of the Shema, you know? And, and we need to do that. We need to have God's word in and around, coming out of our mouths at every point on the road as we sit there, as we get up, as we sit around the table. We need to be spending these times not just with our families, but with our friends, with our church family. We need to be repeating these things over and over. And that leads us to what I think is the most practical and important part about leaving a legacy, our, our collective legacy as a church. I hope and I pray that the passion that our church has for God, for his church, and for lost people, I want it to only get stronger with each passing generation. That's my goal, is that my passion and your passion, all of our passions together, our passion for God, our passion for his church, and our passion for lost people only gets stronger. How many of you have ever heard the phrase or or uttered it yourself, I just want better for my kids than I had? Anybody ever said that? I hope and pray that you say that about your spiritual life. I hope you say, I want more for my God, for my kids in God's kingdom than I ever had. I, I don't want them to just settle for less. I don't want them to be less than anything that I attained in my faith. I want them to grow and get bolder and bigger and accomplish more for the kingdom of God, for his glory and his glory alone. And I want it to ring out through their lives. I believe that the way that we make that happen as much as it depends on us anyway is to be as all in as possible right now for the kingdom of God at every moment you know that our church is really growing it is it's growing really growing and uh, I'll tell you guys something I'm getting ready to be really honest. I don't think there's many times that I stand up here that I'm not honest, but I'm getting ready to be really honest, and I've prayed a lot this week, and I've felt the attacks of the enemy trying to discourage me and distract me. I get that a lot when I'm preparing for sermons because I know it's God's Word, and He wants people to hear it, and the enemy does not. And I asked some people to specifically pray for me this week, and I I can feel it. 
and I was distracted this morning. I was like worried. I was like, man, how are people going to accept it? But one of the things that I've been hitting on and God's been teaching me and pounding into my thick skull and my wife said, amen. Y'all laugh at that. (laughs) One of the things that God's been teaching me is that I just need to speak his truth. I need to speak his truth. It doesn't matter. It matters how I present it. If I present it in the wrong way, yeah, that's on me. But when I speak his truth, I can't help how people respond because Jesus was Jesus, y'all. He was perfect. And people would turn away from him repeatedly. And so what I'm going to say today is I hope and pray you hear it. I hope and pray you hear it. Our church is growing. And at the end of 2022, we shared with you, if you're a very regular attender or mission partner here, we shared in an email that uh, the end of the year was difficult for us financially. Uh, We all know what the economy started really doing at the end of the year, especially that probably had a lot to do with it. But we put out the word. We said, hey, we need to step up in our giving to make sure this ministry flourishes. And we need to do that right now. And people showed up big time during the month of January. I mean, it was literally like the end of the year. We sent the email out the month of January. Our, our giving was was really great and strong for us. Um, we, we had about $20,000 in giving. Now, if you've been a part of a bigger church, that sounds like a drop in the bucket. But for us, that's great for a five year old church that is just at the point, almost at the point of being self-supporting. That was a great, great month. And we um And here's another thing that's really cool. And you may not know enough about church plants to know this. Out of that $20,000, only $1,000 of that was from outside giving. Other churches and individuals that still help us out. Only $1,000 of that. So $19,000 some odd dollars was from our giving back to God for the ministry of movement. And that's huge. And here it gets even better. We were $2,000 in the black for the month. That means we took in $2,000 more than we ex- we expensed for that month. It takes a lot of money to do mission. That's a big thing. Yeah, I heard some people. Yeah, that's a good thing. That is an amazing thing. We have had four baptisms in the month of February that we just wrapped up. Woo! That's awesome. And I know there are more people that are considering baptism as well. Here's where it gets really, really cool. We had the highest attendance during the month of February. The average attendance, highest average attendance in the month of February since last April. And guess what last April included? Easter. That's right. So we had the highest average attendance since last April at about 91 average per week. Over 100 at least one Sunday. That was awesome. And right at 100 another. That's, that's great. That is awesome. But, but I have to tell you, our giving in February didn't match. We gave about $12,600. And before you tune me out, before you get angry, you might have had a bad experience with church and money. And a lot, there's a lot of lies going around about church and money. Like I said, I'm just talking honest here because I don't want to hide anything from you guys. We don't have our expenses yet. We don't have our financial report. We usually get that about a week or two into the month. But that's vastly different than January, right? 12000 to 19000 just from our local offerings. I know we had in that month, you know, we had a lot of first, uh, first of the year expenses in January with kids curriculum and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, the expenses might not be as much. 
But one of the things that struck me is that with our best attendance average in a year's time, you'd think that the giving would be higher. Now, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. As I said, I'm just trying to be honest. I'm concerned, but I'm not panicking. You know, here's what I want you to know. There's been times, just like in most of our personal finances, that things have been tight and God has always shown up. I really do believe with the spiritual growth and the numerical growth that we're having, I believe God's going to show up. I don't believe he's going to leave us. Now, we've got to be realists to an extent, and we've got to know that if we don't supply the needs to carry the ministry forward, that there could be a time, could be a time, when we won't be able to do ministry the way that we want to do ministry. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? There could be a time. I'm not overly concerned that that's going to happen, but you know what I am concerned about? It was a total God thing. This phrase is a phrase I was planning on using. But Scotty, I believe, led by the Holy Spirit in his communion talk, he used the phrase, we are made to not just survive, but thrive. And that is my concern. I don't want us to be a church that just survives, but I want us to be a church that thrives. And we have never, if you've been around for more than a minute, you've heard us say this kind of thing from time to time. We don't want to be a church that just survives. We are a church that desires to thrive. Our vision here at Movement is to keep moving until the neighborhood knows Jesus by multiplying disciples and planting churches as we love and we serve and we move, we want to build the kingdom until the world knows Jesus. That's our goal. And it's a big goal. It's a big vision. But I believe that we are doing that. We are on the way to that. I mean, we want to see it happen in ways that we never, ever imagined. And here's something I've been thinking about is like, we don't want to just keep the doors open for our church. We want to lead people through the open gates of heaven. We want to lead people through the open gates of heaven, and we want God to pour open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessings as we follow him in faith. You know, we've got goals for a building. You know, if you've been involved and set up for any amount of time, you say a big amen to that. We've got goals for that. We've looked, we've been close in the past and we just prayed and God has either shut the door, you know, that type of thing. And so we've trusted his timing, but we've got goals for building. But one of the things that we've got to realize is that until we're giving faithfully and regularly and consistently in a, in a next level way that we've got to be willing to do our part for God to show up and do his part. If we want something like that, a tool like that. And let me say that, let me pause and say that a building is not the end all be all for a church. Sometimes it can be a coffin. Sometimes it can be a coffin, but it's a tool that we could use. And we need to be ready to move when God says, here is the time I'm opening the door. We need to be ready to do our part. And so if we're not ready financially for a full-time building right now, we've got to own that fact, and we've got to start taking strides to do that. And and as we said, a building isn't an end-all, be-all. We've got goals for life-changing ministry. We've got people in our church family that have goals that want to do ministry in ways that will impact our community and introduce people to Jesus left and right. We want to be, as much as we're happy about four baptisms in the month of February, we want to be able to look back and say, we're thankful for those four people who were baptized into Christ, but you know, we had eight this month. And we had 12 this month, and we had 20 this month, and we had 31 this month, even in February. We had, we had three extra. 
You know, we, we had extra. We want to be able to say that. And we don't want to be worried about keeping the lights on. We want our church family to be focused on life-changing ministry. That's what we want. We have people in our church family that want to get involved in a ministry to help first responders and vets deal with trauma and have another ministry that's closely tied to that to help just everyday people deal with the trauma that they go through in a God-honoring way. But let's be real. We can't do that kind of ministry without funds. It's a lot easier with a building, a facility that we can get into 24-7. We have people that want to serve our kids in our community and give them opportunities to use their time well and, oh, by the way, meet Jesus on the way. But that thing is easier with a building, right? That thing is easier with a building. That thing is easier when we've got some money to have some breathing room. And we have people that want to do all sorts of ministry that can really change eternity and to help our neighborhood know Jesus. But if we are struggling with trusting God and living by sight instead of living by faith, when it comes to our giving, we shouldn't expect much to happen. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, he said, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So here's my plea. Here's my, my heart's cry. I want all of us, all of us to go all in while the fields are ripe. We are growing numerically, spiritually. And so let's get that financial health aspect in there and see what God does when we really trust him with every part of our life. I want you to see how funny God is. And I don't know where you are on this whole thing. Some of you might be ticked off right now. I don't know. I plan out my sermons a long way in advance. And I put this series, you know, I didn't even, I hadn't even read the book, to be honest. I had kind of skimmed it. I hadn't even read the book in this time. And God has this funny sense of humor that when we do a month long giving and financial health, spiritual financial health thing, that's when we have one of our lowest offerings. <laughs> so I'm just as perturbed as you are, just so you know. I guess this is a really sensitive subject. Y'all can't take jokes about this. But I am just as, I'm like, really God, you're going to do this? But God has got bigger things in store. And so here's what I want you to hear. Here's what I want you to hear. My plea is this, my heart's cry, that we strike while the iron is hot and while the fields are ripe and we've got new people coming and getting involved. We've got people being baptized. I want us, us, to leave a legacy through this church that will be here for years to come and still making an impact. I've had experience and I've seen churches and I know churches that have been around for 50, 100 years and even 150 years. And all they have is past. I'm not judging them, but I don't want to be them. Our church is five years old, a baby. A baby, a baby church. And I don't want to be that. I don't want to be able to look back in 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, 100 years, and say, yeah, remember those days when we were really doing ministry and changing? I want people to say, man, I'm thankful for those people who built the foundation for us to be able to reach, make this global impact. That's what I want to be able to hear. That's what I want to be able to look down from the gates of heaven. And I want to be able to say, yeah, keep doing it. 
I want to be able to shout with victory and welcome with open arms people that I never met that were born years after I died that get to go into heaven because of what we started and continued. I want to be a part of something that changes eternity. I want us to have such a vibrant ministry right now that we attract people because there is something different about our church. I really do believe that. I don't just say that because I'm the church planner and I'm biased. I mean, you always love your own kids and you don't see their mess ups, you know? But I hear that from people. They say, this church is different. I've been to different churches. This church is different. They love people well. They share the truth well and not in a judgmental way. And they're they're kind and they love the community. I've heard it over and over and over again. But we want more people to experience that, don't you? We want more people to experience that. And so we want to attract as many people as possible to the gospel of Jesus Christ And we want people to recognize there's something different about us. And we want our kids to be excited to be able to go to a church that's thriving and growing. And I want to see the the baptistry water stirred weekly. And I want to see families put back together and communities restored. And as I think about that, I think about what God shared with us in 2 Kings chapter 13. He is dealing with Elisha, the prophet that followed Elijah. And it's near the end of Elisha's life and God shows a powerful lesson that's often overlooked because it's just a few sentences. And in 2 Kings chapter 13, Elisha has fallen sick and he's got this illness that's going to take his life. He's going to die and Joash, the king of Israel, goes down to see him and he falls down weeping at his feet. And he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. He's scared. He thinks they're going to lose this war. He thinks that they're going to lose. And he said, and Elisha said to him, take a bow and arrows. Take a bow and arrows. And he takes one arrow and he puts it in the bow and he puts his hand over the king's arm. He pulls it back and he shoots it. And Elisha says, he says, as the bow, as the arrow flies out, he lays his hands on the king's hands. The arrow flies out and he says, here. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria. For you shall fight the Syrians in Aphek until you have made an end of them. And then here's verse 18. You can read along with me. And he said, take the arrows. Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck the ground three times and he stopped. The king of Israel goes like this. And Elisha, with every little bit of energy he had left, he is angry. It says in verse 19, the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it. But now you will strike Syria down only three times. And here's what I want us to get. I do not want us as a church family, I do not want each and every one of you individually to be like Joash. And yeah, you might go to heaven. I'm, I'm hoping for that. I'm praying for that. I'm pouring all my energy into that. But I don't want us to be the kind of people that just say, oh yeah, I want this much of Jesus. I, I just want a little bit of Jesus, enough to get me to heaven. I, I just want, oh, I, I just want to be a church that keeps the doors open. I don't want us to be like Joash. I want to be, I don't want three bow smacks worth of life, y'all. 
And I don't want you to have three uh, arrow smacks worth of anything. I want you to have life-changing ministry. I want to have 10 arrow smacks. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I want us to be smacking the ground over and over. It's like, God, give us more. God, change lives. I don't want to be a part of something that's just a tick, tick, tick. I want to be a part of something that is just, I mean, wearing the ground. I mean, the boat, the arrows are just flying, breaking in two because we're beating them so hard. I want to be that kind of church. I want to be that kind of preacher. I want to be that kind of Christian. I want all of us to be that. I want to be smacking the ground. I want to see more baptisms. I want to see more children's eternities changed. I want to see more relationships restored. I want to see more communities rebuilt. I want to see more, 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 more. I want to see more. And you know what? We're already doing that on some levels. This is a special church, as I said before. Some of you got the pleasure to meet Annette, who was with us for the past month, Steve's sister. And she came with the sole purpose of kind of getting out of what was going on in her life and kind of having a little bit of a spiritual renewal. And she wanted to spend a month with her brother Steve and a month with us as a church, and she ended up getting baptized into Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. And a couple of different times, she shared some things with me that just kind of brought tears in my eyes. I know that's not really hard. (laughs) But I asked her, I said, would you just write down a few of the things you shared? And here's a couple of things she shared. The month of Sundays and group Bible studies at Movement have been very inspiring to me. It is very apparent that the people of Movement Church love God, but love people also. I found everyone I've met to be friendly, warm, uplifting, and encouraging. The small groups bring that to another level when you can really get to know people. And if I lived anywhere close to the area, I would attend and serve here. And she goes on to say, everything I've said is true. I love you guys and will pray for you to continue to grow God's kingdom. I don't, it doesn't seem like enough, but thank you for everything. I want more nets. I don't want just one. I don't want just a few. I I, I want a lot. I want more, 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 more. I want more people to experience the goodness and the grace of God that is here through the gospel of Jesus Christ through this church. This church, I believe, is special not because of any of us. Get that right? Not because of me. Amen. (laughs) Not even because of any of you. But because we love God and we put him first and we try to put his word first and we try to love it and live it in a way that shows people that it's true. We are special because of that, because of his grace and his mercy. And we just want more, more for God's glory, more for his name, more people to spend eternity with. And so here's a question and I'll sit down and shut up. What are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? See, there is no we unless you, 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 you all come together and we all do something about it. So I want to ask you this morning, I don't know what it is for you. Uh, You know, we're we're talking about financial health, but that's just a small part of it. That's just sort of the energy and the fuel that helps us do everything that really changes lives. It's a tool. 
So maybe today you need to be smacking the ground because you have been holding on to sin and you have been holding on and you will not let it go. You need to say, God, I want to be free. I want to be this free. Maybe today you've got somebody that you know needs Jesus and you've been holding off because your pride, your fear has controlled you. And you say, man, I want them to be free. Not just a little bit, not just a couple. I want them to be free in Jesus. Maybe today you're saying, I've been holding back. I gave my life to Jesus, but I am not doing ministry. I'm just skating by. I'm just holding on. I'm just riding the coattails of faithful people. And maybe today you need to say, God, I want more. I want more service, more sacrifice, more dying to myself, more of you. And maybe today you have been holding off on giving your life to Jesus. And you are just holding off and you're saying, I know I should be baptized into Christ, but not today, not today, maybe later. I got to get this right and this right. I want you to say enough is enough. I want more of you. I want you to cover me. I want you to raise me to life. I want you to forgive my sin. I want your Holy Spirit. Maybe today is the day. What are you going to do about it? Let's stand. Let's sing this worship. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement MC.